Chapter 20 of Arona, The Eastbornean Plot We rode as hard as we could, trying to catch up to Geno Didier and his men. Finally, we got close enough where we could see them, but were still some distance behind. They were much better riders than us, even in their full armor. I looked up, letting Leafen guide us when I was unsure of which way to go. By near nightfall, we had caught up to them. We were in the Newdonian outlands that bordered a neighboring kingdom called Eastbourne. It was a much smaller kingdom of men that had broken off from Newdonia hundreds of years ago after a bitter war. They now reluctantly served King Richard in a permanent alliance. I tried not to think about what King Richard had said. Josiah's promised husband was here in Eastbourne. The general stopped just outside the walls of Eastbourne, near a fortified stone gatehouse. It was nearly dark as he inspected the tracks. His long white cloak dragged in the mud as he crouched down and investigated the ground. These are the tracks of the royal carriage, I'm sure of it. And here, barefoot tracks of Taronk warriors. The Esbornians must be in on this. I warned the king never to trust them. We need to take this gatehouse as quietly as possible, explained the general. If the guards on top are able to light the signifier, all of Eastbourne will know we are here. Leifen can fly up and shoot them with his blowgun. It'll knock him out immediately, suggested Drew. That could work, said the general, looking at Leifen. We can then use the grappling hooks to enter through the top door of the gatehouse and ambush the rest of the men inside, making it impossible for them to light the signal fire on the roof. He issued orders to the men, and they dispersed quietly. I hoped that Leifen understood. It seemed like he did. The rest of you follow me. We'll hide in those trees over there so we're close. Leave the horses here. We quickly tied up the horses. I watched Leifen fly high above in the night sky some distance away. I could see one of the men on top of the gatehouse, walking around with a lit torch in his hand. I grew nervous, for I knew it would take but a split second for him to start the prepared signal fire. I tried to find Leifen again, but lost him in the dark clouds as we hurried into position. Then I spotted him, diving full speed towards the tower. I saw the two shadowy figures collapse. The guard with the torch must have been leaning on the outer wall when he was hit because the torch fell from his hand, landing on the ground just outside the main gate. I held my breath. I noticed another shadowy figure, standing below. He walked over and picked up the torch. Val! Val! The guard yelled, looking upwards. What are you two doing up there? You dropped the torch! Are you both drunk again? Val! Sergeant! Sergeant! What is it? I'm trying to sleep, you fool, growled the sergeant from inside the tower. Val dropped a torch and won't respond. He must have passed out, the drunken bum. Well, then get up there and wake him up, you idiot. The guard walked over to the small door built into the main gate. Come on, unlock the door, he fumed to another guard. We've got to go now, commanded General Didier in a hushed voice. Now's our chance. Go! We rushed over as quietly and quickly as we could. The man to my right shot his crossbow as we ran. His bolt ripped through the outer guard's chainmail. Several other bolts entered the gatekeeper's body as we pushed through the small metal door, as it was now ajar. Leave no one alive! Get up to that signal fire quickly! said the general. His men pushed through the small wooden door that led to a stone spiral staircase, up the gatehouse, and onto the second floor. I was one of the last ones through the doorway, and heard men yelling and the sounds of swords clashing on the level above me. By the time Drew and I entered the room, most of the fighting was over, with several soldiers from both sides lying dead on the floor. Who 
Hurry! Two of them went up towards the signal fire! Yelled the general with his bloody sword in his hand. I could tell he was wounded, for blood gushed from a wound on his side as he struggled to stay upright. Drew and I ran towards the staircase and saw two Esportian soldiers hurry out of the top doorway onto the roof, one with a torch in his hand. We were too late! We hurried up after them and threw the door open, swords in our hands, before we tripped and fell over onto our knees. I scrambled to get back to my feet. Then I noticed we had fallen over the same two soldiers we had been chasing. The torches lay on the ground, not far from the signal fire. I looked up and saw Leafen standing beside his eagle on the gatehouse wall, smiling at me with his blowgun in his hand. The gatehouse was ours. Drew and I rushed back down the stairs to help with any remaining fighting. Did they start the fire? asked the wounded general. No, Leafen stopped them. Good. We must hurry. We've only got hours to get to the city and rescue the prince and princess. They changed the guard here at dawn. If I'm wrong, and those tracks weren't the royal carriage, then no one will know who killed these men. We must not be seen. This could start a war. He paused, grimacing from pain as he applied pressure to the wound on his side. But I'm not wrong. I know those tracks, and these Eastbournean scum will pay for their betrayal. We rushed down the stairs with General Didier and his remaining men, riding through the darkness until we could see the lights from the city of Eastbourne. Leafen flew down and signaled for us to stop. He drew a simple drawing of the walled city in the dirt, making an X in the northeast corner, where the princess and prince were. Can you get us in there? asked the general. Leafen nodded and smiled, obviously understanding much more English than he had let on. The city walls weren't nearly as impressive as New London, but still well guarded. For such an early hour in the morning, there seemed to be way too many guards, walking atop the walls and towers with torches in hand. They were on high alert. We stayed in a lightly forested area, just outside the small moat, and made our way to the northeast corner, where Leif and last seen the royal twins. Same plan as before, said the general. The elder man will fly up and attach the ropes. You can't be seen. If you knock out one of the guards, another guard on one of the towers might see his falling torch. These men have no idea we're here. We have to keep it that way. Leifen took off and disappeared in the black sky. We all looked up anxiously at the walls for the next few minutes, watching the torchlights pass by our position several times. Then, to my surprise, two ropes fell just in front of us on the other side of the moat. We'll have to swim. Take off your armor, commanded the general. We quietly entered the cold moat water and waded over towards the hanging ropes. The wounded general struggled to climb up the high walls in front of me, grunting most of the way up and leaving the rope moist from his blood-soaked hands. Finally, we reached the top. General DDA went over the wall first. I was next, then Drew. When it came to Drew's turn, one of the guards headed in our direction, so he had to wait while the rest of us hid in a nearby shadow. The guard passed, not noticing the ropes in the darkness, making it possible for Drew and the several others to join us. Where's the Elden? Which way did he go? Just then Leifen walked out of a nearby shadow and pointed to a small wooden door. The general hurried over and tried to open it. It's locked, said the general. Leifen used a handful of tools that had been attached to his thick leather belt and tried for about a minute to pick the lock, but failed. Let's wait for that guard to come by again. Maybe he has the keys, said Drew. The general nodded and looked at Leifen. Once the guard was just in front of us, Leifen shot him in the neck. One of the other soldiers grabbed his falling torch in midair and continued to walk along the wall like nothing had happened. No keys, General! General Didier looked at the door and knocked hard. What are you doing? I asked. Get ready to charge in, he commanded softly as he knocked again, this time even louder. Who is it? said a voice from within. It's me, 
My torch just went out. Let me in, said the general. We heard the sound of keys clanking. The door started to open. General DDS slammed into the door hard, knocking the Eastbournean soldier down as we all stormed through the narrow passage. Another man to our left, slouched over in his chair, started to stand up. The general quickly ran his sword through his chest. Drew ran towards one more soldier lying down on a long bench against the wall of the hallway. The guard started to wake up as Drew shoved his sword through his stomach. I'd never seen my brother kill a man, and it shocked me, but I didn't have time to think. The hallway led to an open staircase and down to a large room where we found several Taronk warriors and finely dressed delegates. Without thinking, I started running down towards them. I heard the princess cry out for help, but I couldn't see her. While running, I saw arrows from Newdonian soldiers pierce our enemies before most of them could even stand out of their chairs. The thought of someone hurting the princess filled me with rage, unlike anything I had ever experienced. I ran towards the closest Taronk delegate, who sat moaning, his white robe soaked in his own blood. An arrow had pierced through his stomach and had pinned him to the back of his chair. Where is she? I screamed in his face, twisting the embedded arrow in my hand. He let out a shriek of pain and pointed to one of the nearby doors. I ran towards it, now fearless, as I heard another scream for help from inside. I shoved the door open, and an Eastbornian soldier started to stand up from his chair, taking out his knife. I ran full speed at him, screaming, with my sword above my head. I swung it down with all my might, into his right shoulder and through the upper part of his chest. Blood sprayed my face. Look out! screamed Chelsiah. I glanced behind me and saw a man running towards me with his sword in his hand. I pulled my sword out of the other man and in the same motion whipped it around me, cutting the attacking man's head completely off. It shocked me and I threw my sword against the wall in disgust. I looked over to Chelsiah, who was standing in the corner on my left. I ran to her. She was crying and trembling as we embraced. Tears were streaming down her cheeks. I started to kiss her softly on her cheek, her neck, and then her lips. She kissed me back as I held her tight. My grandfather, she asked sobbing. Just then Drew came smashing through the door with his bloody sword in his hand. He's safe, back in Nudonia, I assured her. Don't worry, you're no longer in danger. Everything's going to be okay. It felt so good to be back with her, to hold her. He's not safe. An army approaches New London, she cried. They will destroy us. Russo, the Taronks, and many other kingdoms have joined together and betrayed us. They hope to capture my grandfather before the attack. We must hurry. A loud thump came on the main door. Then another. Open the door, yelled the soldiers outside. Then they began to smash it down. Hurry, out the way we came. Move, yelled General Didier. Where's the prince? They killed him, Chelsea sobbed. He's dead. I pulled her close to comfort her. Then we hurried up the stairs. We ran out the top door, and we could see soldiers running towards us on both sides of the walls. Arrows bounced off the stone walls around us, barely missing. Horns were blown, and bonfires in the towers were lit. We've got to jump, said the general, as he took a high step on the small wall and leapt to the moat below. The soldier behind him did the same, but he was struck by an arrow, spilling over and crashing to the water head first. I can't! I can't do it! I can't jump, cried the princess. I heard men crashing through the main door below. There they are! There was no time. I picked Chelsea up in my arms and ran for it. I heard arrows swish past us as I closed my eyes and leapt. The princess let out a scream while we fell through the black sky and crashed into the dark water. My feet plunged through the muck at the bottom of the moat before we struggled to the surface and then began frantically swimming to the other side. More and more arrows continued to hit the water and ground in front of us. We were lucky. It was still pretty dark. I'm sure we would have been killed. Drew pushed the princess from behind as I fought to pull her out of the water and onto the bank. Princess, here, said the general, emerging from the thick woods. 
He held out his hand for her while still clutching the reins of his horse. She ran to him. I grabbed onto Drew's hand and tried to pull him up out of the muddy moat. He gasped in pain as Nero struck him in the upper back. Drew! I cried, pulling with all my might, while his body finally slid up over the slippery bank. Two of the other soldiers helped him onto his feet, and we all ran towards the horses. I climbed onto my horse, and we darted off through the woods as fast as we could, while arrows continued to whisk by. There was no time to lose. We had to make it out of the gatehouse before being trapped inside the Eastbornean outer walls. That's it for chapter 20 of Arona. A huge thank you to Tara for becoming my newest patron. You inspire me to keep creating. I hope you enjoy the bonus episodes and additional content. To all the rest of you, thanks for listening. If you'd like access to bonus episodes and more, please visit my Patreon page. That's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash Adam James. If you don't have a dollar to spare, that's okay. You can still support me by sharing this podcast with your friends and family on social media and writing me a review. Thanks everyone, and we'll pick up here again soon with Troy, Chelsea, and the others as they try to escape Eastbourne and get back to Newdonia.